Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Every week, Wisconsin Music Podcast will be bringing you great information on what's happening in the Wisconsin music world. For our music-loving listeners, we'll bring you music that you haven't even heard of yet from unique and talented artists and hear about their journey so far. You'll either hear live performances of their songs or songs from their selected discography. For our musicians out there wondering what they can do to further their recognition, we'll be calling upon Wisconsin music businesses and organizations to enlighten you on what they're doing to help further your music journey. And now, here's your host, Zach. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast brought to you by Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio Recording and Mixing Services specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. A few testimonies, one from Dimitri Wolf saying, it sounds very clear. He's also one of the more professional mixing engineers I've had contact with. Very efficient and mixed vision driven. Well, that's it for advertisement. Let's talk about our 20th episode. Yes, we've actually made it to episode 20. So glad for all our listeners and supporters of the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thank you so much for making it to episode 20. We have a great guest on this week. This week's guest is Chris Crane. Chris Crane is a singer, songwriter, and multifaceted musician. He says his passion for using his music to make a change is prevalent in every lyric, every rhythm, and every note. Change in the way people listen to music, the way it makes them feel, and how it affects community. He was born in Chicago, raised in Lumberton, Mississippi, and now resides in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Chris's musical birthright was just a foundation of a greater platform. Though he was brought up in a family of musicians and has played an instrument since the age of seven, Chris never planned to be a musician. With over 20 years of experience in making music behind him and the rest of his life ahead of him to leave his mark on the industry where only the strong survive, Chris Crane has dedicated his greatest passion to making everything and everyone around him better, including himself. Thank you for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's, it's a pleasure to be here for sure. So why don't we kind of start with your music origin story? How did you get started into music and kind of lead us up to today? Wow. So um, born into a family of musicians and creatives. Um, my mother was a pianist. Um, and I found out, um, man, a couple of years ago that she actually recorded an album. Really? Part of a singing group. She never told me, but my um, it all makes sense now. My older brother played organ, trumpet, and drums and bass. My middle brother was a saxophonist, and my mom made my older sister play the clarinet. There I was coming up. I ended up playing drums first. Again, being born into that kind of environment, I was around music all the time. Wonderful. Of course, it it stemmed from church playing music at church, but it you know, later turned into a whole lot of other things. And, yeah. You know, at this point, here I am.
Why don't you kind of tell us what you're working on right now? Okay, well, working on a few things. Released an album September 29th of 2020 called Glow. It's one of my most prominent works. 
I uh, worked on that album for about three years. And with that project, I decided that I wasn't creating anything for a specific purpose other than something to my liking. So I wasn't trying to get radio placements. I wasn't trying to, I just created some music, played what came to my heart. So that's been released. And then I released a video of a song called They Say. I think I shared that video yep. with you. Yep. And um, that video is a part of a project that I've been working on for the last few years called Project Make a Difference. Kind of give us a lot of the details and the depth of this project that you're talking about. I have a foundation called the Better Project Awareness Foundation. In a nutshell, we use music as a platform to help kids. We work with kids and, you know, some adults. As a kid, I grew up, I was born with a birth defect called brachial plexus palsy. And what that is, uh, we all have a set of brachial nerves. Mine were um, damaged at birth. It left me with very, very limited use of my left arm, use of my left arm and hand. I can't do this with my fingers on my left hand, nor can I stretch my arm out with my left arm. And so because of that, I, a couple things, man, I suffered from low self-esteem, of course, you know, being different, you battle all of those different demons, but it had a different effect on me. It made me angry. So I suffered from anger management. And so through my foundation, we use music um, because music was the thing that changed and helped me heal and everything under the sun that I have become, music played a major, major role in that. And so I believe that if music can do those things for me, music can do those things for other people. And they may not, they may not go on to become musicians or engineers or artists, but having something that balances you and uh, music is that thing that can help you escape. You can be in Europe, sitting in Milwaukee, you know, if you learn how to open your mind and let the music take you to the place. So with that project, this song came about. Um, and I wrote the song with some students. I also teach. Um, I was teaching at a school called Veritas High School here on um, south side of Milwaukee. I started writing this thing with these kids and because I noticed a lot of them were very shy. They didn't like to get in front of people. And so one of the icebreakers was to write something that helps them conquer their insecurities or whatever it might be. And so th that's how the song They Say came about. Project, I do it every year with um, the Make a Different Project. Um, with Through my foundation, the Better Project Awareness Foundation, we host free music camps for kids ages 6 through 16, where we, we teach every instrument that I've learned to play. So that's piano, drums, guitar, bass, percussion. We've done violin. We've done trumpet. So I've learned how to play all of those instruments in spite of my birth defect. And so this project is simply a way to get people, kids, for the sake of argument, um, get kids to use their imagination, to imagine a different world or a different place. And for some kids, it could be um, having a having a balanced meal or not hearing gunshots. Yeah. And so it's teaching them how to, first of all, see the difference that they would love. And then teaching them, we use the music to create lyrics or context to where they can in their mind, start to imagine the things that they would want to be and then put it down on paper. And so with this song, they say it talks about not being vain. And the, the, the message is you're beautiful. I am beautiful. What I have is more than enough. And so with this project, it's a cool thing. Um, 
we've done it in English and we've translated it into Spanish. I've translated it into French and German. And now I've been mixing and editing a, um, a version with five different Indian languages inside oh. of one version. Wow. So it's, it's a project. Yeah. You know, I, I released the first video, the English version of it. We've already shot the video for the French and German version. And we've already recorded that, that record and we've recorded it in all of the other languages. The cool thing, so I, I put in a, a call at UWM okay. for any students who were in the music program who could speak different languages, foreign exchange students, anybody who would love to be a part of the project. And I held an audition at the Market Center. Oh, wow. And I mean, it was a lot of kids that showed up, met a lot of students, and um, we chose a few and we started recording. So. This year, my goal is to release all of the translations at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, the world needs this kind of stuff. Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty much uh, a snapshot of what this project is. Okay. It's an ongoing project. There's no, we're going to do it for 2021. It's, we're gonna, I plan to do camps every year. Of course, with COVID, we didn't do one last year because of COVID. It was too new. The world's in disarray, and yeah. it still kind of is. Um, you know, now trying to find a really cool and effective way to take the virtual instructions and um, create an environment where the kids, teenagers, want to be a part of this because the majority of the kids have been in online class forever now. And, you know, my, I have a seven-year-old son, and he hates getting online. Mm-hmm. You know, he's tired of it. He's burnt out sitting I, at the computer all day. I bet. You know, so, uh, but yeah, so that's what I'm working on right now. I actually um, wrote a new song on accident. <laughs> How do you write a song on accident? You know, it was, you know, the world, you know, I, one of the things I've learned to do is just really tune into the world and the things that are happening around me. And if you pay attention as a songwriter or as a creative, I mean, all of the content we will ever need is happening every moment of our lives. True. And so um, I lost a dear friend back in December. I mean, two hours after we had just spoken, that she passed away. And so um, I, was a, I was a little stressed. I bet. And um, these lyrics just kept coming to my mind. I want to scream at the top of my lungs. Drink the night away till the morning come. Take the next flight somewhere out of this world. Live the fantasy, not reality. And it the, that that just showed up. And so I picked up the guitar and found some music and kind of made it happen. And beautiful, man. Beautiful. beautiful. I'm releasing it next month. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, you got me uh, tongue paused right now because I'm like, man, wow. All the things you are doing is is amazing. You know, you are a music educator. Degree or not, you are definitely a music educator. Yeah, yeah I've, been, I, I've actually taught in um, MPS and yeah, um, my degree is in marketing. And so I, um, baby, so I have, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> You're here now. You're here. Yeah, let's have a second guest on here. So I'm gonna say hello. Hi. Hi. This is my my daughter Journey. She's three. Say hi, hi Journey. She's three. You're three. 
You don't have a shirt on. My son won't keep a shirt on for nothing. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Now you go. Go, go, go. Bye, 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 bye. Here, take your juice. And they ask you to. Yes. I'll give you some more. Bye-bye. <laughs> that happens all the time. Yeah. I wouldn't change it for nothing. No. Change it for nothing. The time. The one the one good thing COVID has been to me, it um it made me sit down and have to be home because I had just I was getting ready to do a tour. I was kicking off June fifth in Philadelphia at the City Winery. Then we were going up to DC, then back to New York. All of that stuff just got canceled. Yep. And and I, I lost a ton of work, but I've been home with my babies, my wife, and you learn to see beauty and and learn to appreciate those little things that you have. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I don't I don't know what we said before my babies came. In. No, no, that's it's fine. We were kind of wrapping up what, exactly what you were talking about. So I want to kind of go with you a, a little bit different direction than a typical band because I think it kind of pushes it that way. As a musician and as that is your primary position in life right now, why don't we kind of talk about some things that listeners, like musicians out there that are kind of want to follow, not follow, but kind of do the same thing you are, the same kind of path. What kind of advice do you want to give them? Um, find the courage to be you. So I started out... Um, I did tours with gospel groups. That's my route. Um, I'm from, born in Chicago, raised in Mississippi. Um, so there's a Southern kind of gospel thing that's just, you know, even the blues, the soul music, that's uh, my foundation. But um, when I moved back up north, I um, one of the big things was cover bands, corporate bands, and um, I did that for a long time. And you can make some good money playing, you know, a three or four hour set. Um, but it's top 40. It's, and, you know, living in Milwaukee, Milwaukee is a cover band town. Yep. And my path, when I first moved here in 06, I started doing, I had a band called Chris Crane and Company. And I played cover music from Earth, Wind, Fire to Elton John to whatever I thought that people wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, and I got a lot of gigs, a lot of work. I made some good money, but there was a thing inside of me that really wanted to do some of my records. And for a while I was afraid um, to do it. And one night I had a gig. I was doing a residency at a club here in Milwaukee for a month, every Friday. And I wanted to do an Earth, Wind and Fire song and the saxophonist told me, I don't want to play that song tonight. He was the lead. Okay. And it made, because I only had songs where he was leading, it, that kind of threw off the night. Threw off the night. And I came home and I, I had a talk with myself. And this is what I encourage musicians to do. Artists, find the courage to play your own set, to share your own thoughts and your own music with the world. Because this is what you're going to find out. Well, two things, right? Either they really hate it or they love it. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, they're going to love it. But you have to love it first. And once I started doing, I fired the horn player. And that next week I went and we did all of my own music. That's where that story was going. And um, we did all of my own music. And the people loved it to the point to where after the set, they were, who, who sang this song? What artist is this? Yeah. 
Who's saying is I like to buy that record? And I said, well, that was, these are all of my songs. Where can I buy it? Well, I didn't have any albums recorded at the time. So yeah. that pushed me to another good problem. So I went and I started recording my music. And then at the gigs I was doing, I started doing all of my own records. And I could sell my own sell my music after the show, as opposed to doing, you know, top forty Motown, and and still trying to sell records. So fast forward, I only have done shows where I do my own music for the last three, four, five years, and I get booked to do that. But people won't book you to come and be somebody else unless they just want to party. Right. You know, and so my advice is, you know, find your own voice and then find the courage to share your own voice. You know, work through it because the victories will come. People will love your music. You just Mm -hmm. have the courage to share it. So that I always tell artists that it's weird to me. And I was just having this conversation with an artist that I'm working with now. Um, it's weird to me when I see creatives and artists go and record albums, but when you see them do a set, they don't do their own music. Like, why record an album if you're not going to present it? You know, I think we all have a voice, you know, but that courage thing, you know, it's, it's spooky when you're trying to, you know, you're sharing your music with an audience who's never heard you. Absolutely. It's very spooky, man.
like you were saying, it's just like they want to hear something, something that they can feel familiar with, but is different. That's something new to them. Yeah. I got comfortable with the silence at first because I learned that the silence didn't mean it wasn't a bad thing. The silence is they don't know your music. Right. So, but if you have a good presentation, the musicianship is good. You practice your vocals. You're presenting it just like you're preventing, presenting September, Myers, Wind and Fire, or whoever. Present it, and you'll get their attention, and they will listen, and that's a great sign. Yep, I totally agree. When they sit and listen, as opposed to getting up and walking out, you know, and then it's even better when they get up and dance. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we want them to have fun. and we're, we're there to give them a good time and make them happy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And kind of piggybacking on that a little bit, what about red flags? Things that you've noticed over the years performing that you went, man, I should have not done this or that because those red flags were there. And did you have any of that? Oh, yeah. I have. I still have them, I still have them now. Um, I have a show um, happening on the 29th of this month. The venue has been advertising, and it's a socially distanced show. They've been advertising, but they have not signed my agreement. Oh. So we really don't have a show. No. Um, they haven't signed an agreement. Again, it goes back to having the courage to do what's best for yourself. You know, sometimes you'll see some, every venue isn't meant for you to play. I stopped playing venues where I had to compete with um, beer bottles being broken at the bar, people talking, yelling, conversations. I stopped doing those venues because to me, those are red flags. You know, any venues that keep the televisions on while we're performing is a red flag to me. And, and I say that because you want to be, you want people to be able to hear you and feel what you're doing. Yeah. But when there's so many distractions, you can't really do that. So to me, when we're negotiating, if they refuse to cut the TVs off, you know, or anything like that, and I'm just talking about playing live gigs, I'm really hopeful that the world is going to open back up and we can get back to it yes. at some point, you know, um, but. You know, that's a red flag for me. Signing contract agreements with labels who have nothing to offer. Um, somebody, you know, you have to watch out for people who who see your talent, see your work ethic, and they want to get in on it. You know, it's like playing stocks. You know, you hear about the stock that's rising, so you jump in and hope that it rises to the top. Right. People are like that. You know, just, you know, finding the courage to do what's best for you at all costs um, and not not ignoring the signs because they're there. Yeah. And not being too desperate either. Right. That's one of the things that I've run into early on in my career um, that I would take anything because I was desperate. I wanted the stage. I wanted to be in the spotlight. I wanted gigs. I wanted the girl screaming my name. <laughs> you know, um, I've never got those panties drawn on stage like I wanted, but uh, <laughs> it is too late now. <laughs> you know, but you all hear you hear the stories of the bands and the women. You know, <laughs> yeah. It never happened for me, unfortunately. You know. Not me either. Not me either. Closest closest thing I ever got was a girl came up and kissed me right on the lips. That was that was a uh, that was it. I've never had I've never gotten that far either. <laughs> It's, you know, when you learn that 
music is what we do yeah and not who we are we're people we're human we're we we have fears we have all of those things and you know separating that and one thing it does it helps us from growing our heads getting big yeah it keeps the arrogance away absolutely you know i've done and one of the biggest shows I've ever done, and then I come home and my kids are like, Daddy, you know, or, you know, they're giving me a hard time because they don't see me as no nope. star or this guy who's been on TV or traveled and done. I'm dad. Yeah. You know, my daughter gives me all the attitude that she can, you know, and, you know, we just, and so it's important that as artists, you know, we pay attention. Yeah. Learn who learn ourselves. That way, we can identify the red flags or the things that doesn't work well with who we are, you know, or and where we're trying to go. Yeah. You know, it's all self reflection. That's great advice. I I agree with everything you're saying. It's just we're we're just people. We just have a talent that we like to show people and express. And but other than that, we're we put one sock on at a time, just like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Diamond Dave Photography, the photography that supports local music in Wisconsin and is ready to work with your band or any solo artist on your next promo pictures or band show. To contact Diamond Dave and see previous work, check out Diamond Dave Photography on Facebook and Instagram. Wisconsin Music Podcast is also brought to you by ZTF Studio. ZTF Studio recording and mixing services specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more. ZTF Studio brings success to your recording project. All right, back to the interview. What do you feel is oppressing or suppressing the live music scene in the local area? Well, I'll say this. A few years back, maybe 2016, 15, 2015, I know a lot of the guys here in the city. I played with them. They played with me. Um, we broke. We spent some time together on stage at some point, or in a restaurant or whatever. Yeah. And I think the lack of a union, a real union, and I'm not talking about for your educators or for you know the guys that play the local theater scenes or this is there's there's one union musicians. Yeah. But for just your regular bar players, you know, there has to be some unity. I've been in situations where I'm not com- I'm not coming to the gig for no less than 600 bucks. And I'm not playing five-hour gigs. No. Right. It, to me, then, then it's, it's, it doesn't add up, right? No, not at all. And so, but then there's a band who really wants the spot that will come and do that five-hour gig for 200 bucks. With four players. Yeah. Everybody walks away with 50 bucks. And after a couple of beers and gas, you're lucky if you have $10 left. And, and you know, in the bars, they don't give you a tab. And so those are the things that I started standing up against. And I think that the local artists, local musicians, they don't band together. Crossing genres, crossing communities. We have to find a way. You know, and I mean, granted, now things are a little bit different, but I look at it. We have the lar- the second largest music festival in the world that happens here. And the most a local act will get is an opening act, right? Yep. And even with that, you don't even get a real sound check. 
I've played it and done yeah. it several times. Same here. You get a line check and it's go time. You get 20 minutes to come in to bring your own gear, set your own gear up. And and so I think what would happen if local artists, local musicians say, okay, enough is enough. No, pay us more than 500 bucks for the band or at the very least provide backline. Yeah. Then, okay, then 100 bucks a man makes sense to come through the traffic. But you, you have to park and drag your gear. You know, it's like it's not worth it. And so I think those are the little things that hold hold the live music scene down. Because the honest to God is true. If the musicians will play for free, if everything is right, because we that's who we, we love doing it. Yeah. It's the other thing that, that doesn't make the gig sweet. So lack of unity, you know, and I'm always looking at the bigger picture, you know, um, radio stations, lack of media support here in the city. You know, I've seen people, um, I just did a, a record with um, this trumpeter. He's played, he's from Wisconsin. He's played with um, Harry Conrad Jr., Augie Haas, uh, amazing guy. He's in New York, been there for a while. You have to leave the area to do something else on a major, what's considered a major scale in order to be able to come back and get some media attention. I've been fortunate enough these last few years to where radio stations play my records. You know, um, I partner with the Market Center on a lot of things. I've been able to, you know, most of my shows, you know, have been, and I'm very blessed and fortunate. Um, I don't take it lightly, but I was able to transcend the $100 gig right here locally and take my audience to where I could sell out a full show, you know, 400, 500-seater, almost two sold-out shows, multiple occasions, you know, at a $35 to $40 ticket price. Yeah. And to be able to do that locally, and I haven't done it alone. You know, I've had people like the Market Center, um, my good friend John Hasick at the Market Center, and DJ Hogan at Skylight Music Theater, you know, Soraya Murchison, Sarah um, Ferrick at 88.9. People have, you know, but I've worked hard for it. And it started with me garnishing the courage to present Chris Crane and not some cover song. Yeah. You know, it goes back to me. It all goes back to that piece. You know, I was looking at the, um, the video that I shared with you on IG. Yeah. It's almost 5,000 views now. Congratulations. Yeah, and I haven't really, really been pushing it per se. I did a couple promotions, and but it's good work. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's was. I was just thinking. It's like it's not that you not promoting it, but I think it's the quality and the ability to showcase what you're able to do on a lower side of the promotion side, but still get a lot of views. It's just it's that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think thank you. The beginning of the video, it's me in the studio with um, some students. And so I started doing this thing via my foundation. Um, and John Tanner at Tanner Monago would open his doors and let me use the space, but I would bring students there because a part of my Make a Different Project, Make a Difference Project is exposing these kids to the real side of what music looks like. Pop culture has created such a dishonest view of what this music thing really is. You know, it's not big booties and, you know, nice beats. Right. You know, it's so much more to, I mean, that's a part of, there's nothing wrong with big booties and nice beats, but that's not what this thing is. No. 
ambition to be an artist is so much more than that. And, you know, my hope is to be able to show as many people as possible that you don't have to abandon the creative inside of you to try to fit within this box mm-hmm. so that you can get the views and in hopes that you're going to come up with some trendy song that goes viral and now you're a star or you're instant hit. You know, it's not about that. This thing called music, it never goes away. No. You know, um, I have dreams about songs. And there's a song off of my latest album called She Said, and I pretty much wrote it verbatim. In the dream, I heard the music that's on the song. I heard that playing, and it was me and my mother. We was driving in the truck, going to a store, and that song was playing on the radio. Now, it did you ever see the movie Semi-Pro um, mm-hmm. with Will Ferrell? He was, no. uh, he was a semi-pro basketball player. He owned the team, but he was a singer, and he wrote this song that his mom gave him in a dream, right? Okay. And it reminds me of that. But I got the song, my mom, it was playing in the radio. And I woke up and I wrote it down. And I got up, and my mom said a lot of things to me in that dream.
Mom's been she's been deceased for about four and a half years. Okay. I wrote it down, went down to my studio in my basement and recorded it. And so, you know, and it's not a trendy song. It's not a top 40 of what you would hear on the radio per se. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's something that was inside of here. And I think, you know, artists and creatives, they have to be encouraged to get those thoughts out of your head. Would you mind if we uh, put that song on the podcast so people can hear it? No, 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 no. Please, please, please. I don't mind at all. Excellent. Any of this music, please put it out. Okay. Um, if there, I was going to say, is there any other songs besides that one you'd like to uh, showcase on the podcast? Um, I mean, you know, there's a song that I did um, years ago called Ready. And I can send you all of these records. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, anything from this Glow album, I mean, I'm so proud of that album. Um, I mean, I took my time, and there's nothing like having music that you can listen to over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, Normally, as musicians or as artists, we are more critical on ourselves than most people. I totally agree. All of the mistakes, you know, I shouldn't have sung it like that. I shouldn't have (laughs) sung it. You know, one of the things I've learned is to take my time and record it, let it sit, and you know, come back to it. Don't be in a hurry. There's no timeline. Right. Pay for everything out of my own pocket, so I don't, I don't have a label breathing down my neck. You know, with deadlines. You know. Right. Just again, taking your time and discovering who you are, letting it breathe. Um, man, those things are so important. So, so, so very important, man. I mean, that's kind of how I grew up, too. My dad is a professional drummer. He toured a little bit when he was younger, and about 20 years ago, we put a band together and made an album in our own recording studio, and we took our time, and we had decent success with it. I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, granular, but I think, you know, we got to play Summerfest and Rain Jazz Festival and went to New York for a gig, and we're on TV for a couple of years, so, you know, but... Like you said, you, you be yourself, you do original stuff. If, you, if you're doing original stuff and you're being yourself and you take your time and you make it honest, I, th- I think you're going to be successful in your, own, in your own way. Yes. And success is, you know, personal preference. Yep, exactly. You know, it used to, be a, it used to mean something to me, um, something different than it does now. You know, I've been able to, um, I really wanted to get back out and tour. I wanted to tour a lot more than I did um, then as I 
moved into my own artistry, you know, I understand that, you know, tour musicians don't make a ton of money. They don't have insurance. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. a lot of that come with that life, right? Absolutely. To have a family and maintain it. You know, I had before I got married, I'm in 2012. The beginning of, I got married November um, 30th, um, 2012. In February, a friend of mine, um, he was a drummer for Cirque Soleil. And there was a band, their music director, he decided he didn't want to do the tour. He, he, he just quit like two months before they started rehearsals. Okay. And this tour was going to take them overseas for four and a half years. And so my guy called me. He said, Chris, man, this is a great opportunity. And he led with, you're going to make at least $450,000 over the stint of this tour. Wow. As music director. Yeah. Um, he led with that. I, I said, so you got my interest. I'm interested. But then he turned around and said, you leave. Um, you have to be in Nashville to rehearse in March for two months. And then you leave out right after that. And then you can't, because the schedule is so strenuous, you won't be able to come back to the States for at least a year and a half. I was scheduled to get married in November. (laughs) And I'm sitting here like, well, I mean, if I go away that long, I probably won't get married, you know? And so I made a choice. And at that moment, success became something different for me. You know, I live really close to downtown Milwaukee and, um, so to do a show at the Marcus Center, one of the biggest venues here in the city, um, prestigious name on the marquee, selling out the seats, people paying top dollar to come and see you, and it's 10 minutes from my house. That's success. Yep. You know, or, you know, when I can cut the radio on and hear my record right here in the city, you know, or doing, your, doing a song that I love that I can listen to over and over and over and over and over again and don't get tired of it. Right. To me, that's this, you know. And you get to come home to your beautiful wife and your wonderful children. What else can you ask for? Yeah, but again, that comes with maturity. And, you know, that's not to say that that's the only way. Or no. Only, you know, um, but for me, that's what it's become. You know, again, I've done a lot of the things. And I do plan to get back out. And to do some more work. I'm still doing shows. Yeah. I've done some virtual shows. I've done a few live shows.
changed my mind Girl, you found your way In my heart to stay yeah, yeah. Sometimes I can be crazy Spreading my love all around yeah. You make me fall in love again Every time you are around Man, I'm a queen You're my world Those pretty eyes just drive me crazy You're a star Yes, you are I'm gonna love you Hey I've done some virtual shows. I've done a few live shows. You know, my requirements are that, you know, there's not the table. The first table in the venue has to be at least seven to ten feet away from the stage. So you'll never play at the Jazz Estate? No. <laughs> I know um, one of my buddies, um, Eric Jacobson, yep. at the booking. You know, Eric has played with me a lot of times. We both sit. Uh, we're board members of the um, Milwaukee Jazz Institute. I am. I went to high school with him. We're same year. Wow, Eric is a good guy. Eric, yep. is, he's played. Um, he played a Christmas show with me. Okay, Eric Jacobson, Aaron Garner. Yep. So, um, some some really tough guys. Um, and um, Eric's um, he's a good guy. Yes, he is. And so, it's small, very small world. Yes, it is a small world. So you know, that's a little. That's pretty much where I am with music. Again, I'm working with several different artists. I started a company last year called Charlie's Music Factory. And essentially what Charlie's Music Factory does, it caters to artists and creatives who have to choose between doing music and doing life. And what I mean by that is, you know, doing this thing on, on a certain level, it costs money. And if you have to, if you can't pay, if you don't have $6,000 to do a project, $7,000 to do a project, nine times out of 10, you cut costs, Quality isn't good, or you just don't do it. Right. You do the best that you can, and after it's done, you throw it over in the corner, 
and you move on from it. Um, mm -hmm. I've been that person. And, and so over the years, I've developed a network of musicians, friends on top level. I'm talking about Grammy winning, Grammy nominated, touring, world-class musicians who work for my prices. And so essentially what we do at Charlie's Music Factory, we'll take a creatives or, um, and I call them creatives, we take a creative's uh, work, we'll take the stems there, and we'll turn that idea, the music ideas, we'll turn that music idea into a tangible product. And we do it for a fraction of the cost, but I set it up to where they can pay monthly payments. So we pretty, we pretty much finance the entire project, whether it's three songs, six songs, and then they slowly pay it off. And I mean, soon, and I haven't done a lot of advertising about this company. We do have a website, um, www.charliesmusicfactory.com. Okay. But I've serviced, man, 10 to 15 artists since last year. And so I don't do a lot of advertisement for it. It's kind of a referral kind of a thing. I'm okay. I plan to expand this year. But, man, to see artists, because then my thing is it helps them create something that can help them subsidize the standard of living. If you have a good record, it may even be a single. Mm -hmm. That one single that you spend 600 bucks, 700 bucks to produce can become, you can make that money back. Um, you just, Now it becomes your responsibility to push right. it, to use it. But now you have a tangible product that you can use to potentially help bring in income into your house. And so that's the pitch for it. Um, it's not for everybody. Everybody can't see the value in it, but I've seen it personally. Okay. You have product and people will buy your product if it's good. Absolutely. They will buy it just like they buy any major artist product. If they hear it and they like it, they will spend a dollar twenty nine. You know, you know, for your song, they will do it. Yeah. A lot of people are streaming now, so they're paying the monthly instead of paying individually. So they're not making as much money anymore. Right, 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 right. Unless, you know, some things I make available only on my website. And so one of the things that I did, I, re I released um, two hours worth of rehearsal. I call it the rehearsal. And it's pretty much all of the behind the scenes footage in audio form of my rehearsals. Because a lot of people, you know, they ask questions, especially on podcasts or on um, interviews, you know, how do you prepare for your shows? What do you do? Um, and so they gave me the bright idea. You go and copyright this really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Just make it available. I didn't put it on iTunes or Amazon. Yeah. I'm available on my website. Which is, what's your website? www.chriscrane1music.com. That's Chris Crane. OneMusic.com. Is that the numerical number one or spelled out? Numerical. Numerical. Okay. What do you think is helping musicians get more recognition in the local music scene? Well, I mean, internet, you know, um, social media, um, you know, especially with in, in, this, in these days where there are no real shows happening, you know, um, they're few and far between. Um, but a lot of people are going live. Um, social media is, I think, is the catalyst that's breaking a lot of artists right now. Yeah. I mean, 
we're both in Wisconsin and we just met. We know mutual people. Yeah. We met through social media. Yes, we did. Through Instagram, you know, and and so I think social media, even though I'm I'm kind of a old school kind of guy, you know, I I prefer to talk. I prefer to have a phone conversation, you know. I you know, texting is fine, emailing is fine, I do it all. Yeah. When it gets down to it, I like to see your eyes. I like to talk to you and interact with you as a person. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. I mean, that's why I want to do video version of the podcast when I'm doing the interview, because I want to see who I'm talking to. I want to read the facial expressions and the body language, because that's just as important as what's being said. Oh, yeah. I think it's more important because it tells the truth. It tells the truth. Yes. But, you know, social media is important. And, you know, if you can learn how to utilize it, you know, the thing for me with Facebook, you know, I hit 5,000 friends on my first page really fast. Um, and then my other page, I'm about almost 1,800 followers. Um, and that's because I stopped. Um, I stopped trying to find the people to like my page and all of those things. But if you use it as the tool that it is, you know, I was able to connect with people in Germany, UK, you know, my records are playing overseas now um, because of social media. Yeah. And so learning to utilize it for what it is and seeing through all of the other stuff that comes along with that platform, because, you know, there's a lot of different conversations that aren't productive. Yep. And it can be become tiresome, you know, just reading it or seeing it all flash. It's like we hit so much information. Yes. It never stops. Overload sometimes. Never stops. And, you know, learning to utilize it as a tool, I think that helps you break. That helps more people get to know you locally, regionally, and nationally. Do you have any advice for people who are trying to learn how to utilize the tool of social media? Yes, quality and quantity. Remember those two words, quality and quantity. And consistency. You know, um, you don't have to you don't have to be trendy, but what you put out has to have some kind of quality. So I rarely will do a video or post a video unless I think it's gonna be quality. The audio, the video is gonna look good, and I consistently post something. But I try to be consistent in my message and the content that I am posting. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, pickles today and tomatoes tomorrow. Gotcha. Infuse a pickle tomato tomato kind of sandwich. <laughs> and, and, you know, but you have to have some consistency. One of my personal things is I never share my emotions. Because I don't think it's a social media should be a tool to to bash other people or to really really press your opinions. You know, it's even with with the, the current state of the world presidency. You know, as much as I don't agree with a whole lot of things that have transpired, I'm very careful as to what I post and what I say because we have to remember it's all opinions. Mm-hmm. And at the heart of this thing, we're all people, right? And so if I take a jab at you, you're probably going to take a jab back at me. Now we're fighting. Right. Over what? You know, Nina Simone said, 
It's an artist's responsibility to reflect the times. We have to be the healing balm for what's happening. And I think, you know, the kind of, that's why I put the kind of content out that I do, because in this world where it's burn this down, kill this, get rid of that. Yeah. Where's the love? Where's the unity? Where are the messages that combat that? We have to have something that, you know, I remember, you know, I was, I wanted to be a BMX bike racer when I was a kid. And I would put these ramps together and build stuff. And I always, I wasn't very good, first off. But I had the heart. And, you know, I would make some good jumps here and there. Yeah. But the majority of those jumps, I ended up skinning up my legs and my elbows and my knees. And my mother was always there to get some peroxide. And she would bandage me up, right? Yeah. Now, I would go back out and, you know, build yep. another room, you know, and do something. Mom never changed her approach. She never no, you did it again. Heal yourself <laughs> as as creatives, you know, and as musicians and artists. Our job is to be that healing, that medicine for this world, man. You know, the music is that one thing that transcends race, religion, man. A good chord or a good lyric, a good song, whether it's country, pop. R&B, jazz, whatever it is, it yeah. transcends all of that stuff, man. And, you know, and that's just my mindset, you know, so as I create, you know, and I play all genres, you know, I have a jazz album that's out um, called Simple Man Thoughts. I mean, some crazy heavy swinging straight ahead. Yeah. And, you know, I'm working on a jazz album right now as well. I'll be releasing a new single um, in February called She Is Jazz. And so I'm for my wife. Her her name is Jazz Mika. And so, you know, I love jazz music, but I also love jazz. We call her jazz. Yeah. So, you know, I pinned the song She Is Jazz. And I was featuring um Jamie Brevik um on trumpet. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing because he lived half a block down from me. We grew up together. We went to the same middle school and high school together. We 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 actually even uh, shared in a, a flat together when we went to UW Milwaukee. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, we were friends for a long, long time. He's a good friend of mine. Um, I actually just spoke with him today. Yeah. He's doing some great things. Yep. Um, he um, actually started the record label. Yes, he did. Yeah. So um, you know, he's done some graphic work for me. Uh, matter of fact, on one of the songs they say, um, the video that you saw. Um, Jamie actually was the one that did the graphics uh, for the um, cover art. Yeah, he's a he's a great musician. He's a great artist. He's he's a good guy all the way around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I try to stay connected with people like Jamie, um, Eric, um, people who um, love music but who love people just as much. Yep. You know, and people with good hearts. Man, you know, I think the world is full of negative music. Um, and as artists, again, creatives, we have to decide which which side of the fence we want to be on. Yeah. Man, you have so much great information and so much heart, and I am so glad I got to talk to you today. Thank you so much for being on, Chris. 
Thank you for having me. Once this pandemic is under control and we're able to be out and about again, I definitely want to meet up with you and talk with you some more for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I'm going to, um, if you can send me your email address. Okay. I'll send you some of the records that we spoke about today and all of that information. Man. Definitely stay in touch. And, uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, this was great, man, for sure. So thank you so much again for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a blast. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Have a good night. You as well. Thanks. Well, there is the great interview with Chris Crane. You can hear more of Chris's music at chriscrane1music.com. That is Chris Crane, the numerical number one, music.com. He's also on Spotify at Chris Crane, SoundCloud also at Chris Crane, YouTube Madam Queen, and Instagram is Chris Crane again. I'd like to thank Nate Wyckoff for creating the music for the Wisconsin Music Podcast and to Dean Bundy for our great voiceover in the beginning and intro. Thanks to Jacob at CW Hip Hop for syndicating our podcast every Monday at 4 p.m. at CWHipHop.com. Also, ZTF Studio Recording and Mixing Services, specializing in singles, demos, EPs, and LP projects for the last 20 years in southeastern Wisconsin, doing jazz, rock, funk, country, indie, and more.
can't love you 